Rich Duncan with Hank Heist, and tonight I'm joined by Jessica Guess. Um, normally, Shane and Laurel would be with us, but they couldn't make it tonight, and um, Shane wanted me to say, send out uh, well wishes to everyone living out on the West Coast, as a lot of you know that he lives out there too, and they're having a hard time with those forest fires, and um, you know those well wishes come from me, myself, and Laurel as well for everyone dealing with that, and we hope that you guys that are in those areas um, stay safe. So again, I'd like to introduce Jessica Guest, and um, she's the author of Cirque Berserk, which is part of the Unnerving Rewind Guide theory, which is, um, you know, it's a really great series that we've highlighted a couple of times on this show, and uh, we just want to introduce you. So how are you doing tonight, Jessica? I'm doing great. I'm here. Uh, I actually just finished watching um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. So I'm feeling pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I haven't revisited those in a while, but um, I definitely need to, especially some of the earlier ones. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really I haven't seen this one since I was a kid. And so I forgot a lot of it. And like, cause there was just like some discussions going on lately. You know, there was a, a documentary released on Shudder uh, called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. And they were talking about like the film and, and the, the actor in there and how like there was like a, a gay subtext in there. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> cause I, I saw it when I was like really little. Like it was one of the first horror movies I saw, and I was—I like, don't remember anything. Gay. And I was like, "Well, you saw it when you were ten, so." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I—I've I, heard of that. I still have to check out that documentary, but that's one of the reasons I want to rewatch it too. Is um, and you know, normally we have you give kind of like a new kid at school speech, so we can probably wrap it up into this. But you know, kind of like yourself, I had watched you know, the first couple of those when I was really little too. So I never really, I never really picked up on any of the subtext either other than, you know, like, Hey, there's this scary ass guy with knives for hands, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) But yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, if you want to just kind of give a a new kid at school sort of speech, kind of a little bit about yourself, um, you know, maybe how you got into um, a little bit about yourself as a writer and pretty much anything you would like listeners to know, whether they be fans already or new fans of yours. Oh, thanks. Uh, so, yeah, um, my name is Jessica Guess, obviously, <laughs> and um, I love writing horror. I've been writing horror since I was in middle school, I guess, where I first wrote um uh, what I now realize is probably like a Carrie ripoff. Um, but I don't know. I first got into horror when I was really, really young, too young, probably. Um, I remember the first kind of horror-like thing that I saw was I was really, really little. And my mom, she loves old movies. And uh, she she would fall asleep watching them because, like, she worked nights most nights. But she fell asleep watching something like a movie with Peter Cushion. It was like an old movie. And it was like, I know now that it was like uh, Dracula's Brides or something like that. It was like 70s Dracula movie. 
And I remember just the scene of him, like, he gets bitten uh, by by either Dracula or one of his wives or some, someone. But he, like, goes into this barn and then, like, he douses the bite with holy water and he, like, burns it with, like, a cross. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, that's how you cure that. <laughs> I was just like... And I was just like kind of watching the movie behind her while she was sleeping because I was supposed to be sleeping. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's one of my <laughs> earliest memories. But I, since then, I was hooked. I was hooked on, on, on stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's kind of funny because I feel like, um, you know, a lot of guests that we've had on here and even, you know, myself, Shane and Laurel, you know, we all kind of had those same early introductions, whether it be through movies or things like that, you know, like way earlier. Like, that's kind of a common phrase between all of us is that a lot of us have watched these things and we're like, yeah, probably earlier than I should have. Yeah. <laughs> whether, it be, whether it be sneaking them or, you know, what have you. Like, in my case, um, my parents were divorced. So when I would go to my dad's house, I don't know if it was because he was trying to be like the cool dad or what but he's like yeah you can rent whatever movie you want like when we would go to blockbuster so i'd be like <laughs> okay cool and that's how i you know grabbed like friday the 13th or you know <laughs> I, i'm fairly i'm fairly young but um so like a lot of like 80s were like the big ones but by the time i started was old enough to like watch movies it was probably like the 90s so a lot of my first ones you know, were Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday mm-hmm. the 3rd. But, but also some of those 90s uh, ones, like The Faculty or Scream. Oh, that, you're, you're talking my language. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love, I love the 90s ones. Honestly, I love, I think 80s and 90s are probably my favorites, but I will watch, I'll watch from nearly any, any genre, any, like, era, I should say. Yeah. Um, because... I, I would say that, like, I, I first got into it with, uh, you know, the older ones. And I think that's a good mm-hmm. way for, for, I mean, if you are going to get kids in, into horror, like, when they're children. But I feel like that is kind of a good way to do it because some of them are scary. Don't get me wrong. But some of them, because of, like, codes that they had to go by and stuff like that, some of them, like, aren't mm-hmm. so terrifying. Like, like they're not there's not too much blood, there's not too much gore, it's, like, really, like, the one, the one that I referenced earlier, like, that was in the 70s, where they used, like, this bright red, um, Mm -hmm. for blood that looks like nail polish, you know, so, like, it kind of takes some of the scariness out of it, because some of it's kind of ridiculous, um, so I thought that was a great thing for me, but then, yeah, the next thing I went to was Freddy after that, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool, and, like, like you said, um, like some of those older movies, you know, they're still very good. And like, it's kind of one of those things where like at the time it was probably more realistic, but like you said, a kid now, they're Mm -hmm. probably better to start with for those reasons. And also, you know, things were like, you could kind of tell like, you know, this is makeup or a costume. Yeah. Whereas like with stuff like CGI, they can make it, you know, or some of like the more extreme practical effects of the eighties, they can make it look a lot more realistic. Oh <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I had seen that I think in another interview with you that you kind of like nineties horror because mm-hmm. I think you said one of your favorite uh, slashers from that time was uh, Urban Legend. Mhm. Oh, definitely. And, 
And, you know, I found I thought that was interesting because a lot of times when you hear people who are into horror, you know, whether it be books, movies, both, like it always seems like 90s horror in terms of film, especially gets a really bad rap. And, yeah, there there were some ones that were kind of clunkers, but I feel like it gets a bad rap. There's a lot of great movies from there, too, or at least entertaining ones, even if they weren't necessarily the greatest. Yeah, and you know, I I sometimes wonder what what was the deal that like people hate on it so bad because like mm-hmm. for me I the era I can't really go into too much is like that like I would say the early 2010s mm-hmm. like the early 2010s it just felt like a lot of like torture porn and like um and just like trying to be commercial and a lot of bad remakes because that's when like uh the um the remake of nightmare on elm street came out out and like texas chainsaw or came out somewhere in between them like either 2000s or 2010s but but anyway like my my love for the 90s is because like i feel like i feel like during the 90s they almost they didn't exactly perfect the final girl but kind of you know, it, it, she was finally like someone who was was it, it wasn't like she was like a, a ditz until like the third act, like how in some of them they she was, you know, like yeah. they were they were way more like they started to take the more of the Nancy approach where it's like, I already see something's going on and I'm going to start investigating this, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Um, it was also like taking grunge and putting it into horror. You know, it was like a lot of the a lot of the horror movies of that time, the teen ones at least, had like a grungy, uh, you know, angsty kind of uh, air about them, like faculty and disturbing behavior, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it was like they were kind of. I mean, that that was what was in with the teens, I guess, at that time. I was I was a kid, so whatever. But <laughs> I, I liked that aesthetic it was cool to me like I love I love Josh Hartnett's character in the faculty like the bad boy like you know but he's also like scientific and really smart and like I I just I thought it was all amazing but um but I know that there's good and bad in everything so yeah 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 and I and I definitely agree with what you said about the 90s things and especially you know, I don't want to keep harping on the same movie, but the faculty for me, like that was one of my favorite ones from that period for the reason you mentioned as, you know, a kind of a cool story with it and like some cool, like creature effects. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, like, cause like you said, I was a kid then I, I can't even remember how old slash what year exactly it was out. But like, I was just like obsessed with that movie. I watched it like Oh man, over a dozen times probably. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would constantly re-rent it from the store. But yeah, when people kind of say that like you know '90s horror sucks or anything like that, that's usually one of my one of my go-to ones to kind of get people to give it a chance. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good one. It's it's great. Yeah, and um, two like another one. You know, earlier before we started recording, we were talking about you had mentioned a podcast scarred for life and one of the first one of the first ones that scared me i'll 
I'll start only because I'll probably forget it otherwise, is Ernest Scared Stupid. I don't know if you've <laughs> seen that one. But <laughs> yes! Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I seen that when I was like maybe five, and I'm like, ah, oh, okay. And I'd never seen any of those films. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Ernest, he's kind of just like this bumbling, goofy, lovable guy. And I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't too bad. And, you know, they start out with the townspeople, and they, you know, they got the troll in the ground, and he's in a sack, so you don't really know how scary it is. But mm-hmm. when they when they finally, on, and I even still remember his name. His name was Trantor. <laughs> like, that's how scared I was. Like, when they unveiled those trolls, like, that, that, that was one, even though I've watched it 20 times, like, that was probably the first one that scarred me for, like, this, like, mm-hmm. I had nightmares about Trantor. So I'm just curious, because <laughs> I know that you said you kind of were into it when you were watching it, but, like, what was the first movie you had seen? And it doesn't even necessarily have to be, like, when you were a kid, but, like, the first movie you had seen that, you know, had really terrified you. Yeah, so I, I know that movie uh, exactly. Um, so <laughs> it, it. So okay, I'll just give me the story. I I think I was about eleven, maybe or twelve when I saw it. Um, it's the Bone Collector with okay. uh, with Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. Um, and I'm the reason why I'm so shocked to this day that that's the movie that got me because like. Up until that point, I had been on like, you know, I watched Freddy. I watched all these things. I was kind of like on a thing of I was actually looking for something to scare me. And Mm -hmm. I watched like all the slashers. By then I'd seen all the Halloweens that were out and like, you know, everything. And even though like they kind of scared me, but they were like I was scared in the moment and then I was fine afterwards. But um, the thing that stuck with me about The Bone Collector was that the the person the the thing that was doing all these horrible things was not a thing it was a regular man it was a doctor like a doctor and not only that like this person that you're supposed to trust with your health and your safety and every and the thing was like i was um i was a kid who i went to the doctor pretty frequently i used to have fevers and um you know i had scoliosis when i was a kid and so like doctors are supposed to be like the people that you can trust and yeah. that you know you you know especially for a child um who, who they're supposed to like take care of you and stuff like that and when I saw that it was a doctor who had done these horrible things and Denzel Washington's character is like paralyzed and he's like helpless um and the the horrible sinister plan that this man had for him and over something that like was just really trivial like i was just i it's like i remember i watched it with at my aunt's house she had the vhs and you know up until this point i was i was used to like watching horror in the dark you know like while while my mom's asleep and and sneaking and like we put it in and i did not think this thing was going to scare me and i afterwards i like walked out on her balcony and i had to like look out <laughs> i was just so stressed i was stressed for like weeks <laughs> like, weeks i didn't want to go to the doctor i didn't want to like i was just i was really stressed out with that one so yeah yeah i don't i i definitely don't i definitely don't blame you for being scared by <laughs> by that movie I, I haven't seen it in a long time, so it's kind of hazy, but once you had kind of mentioned it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's 
that's a pretty that's a pretty scary one. And yeah. um, two, I don't know if maybe I don't know if maybe films were the first thing that had gotten you into horror, but I was just curious, you know, kind of how you got interested in horror books. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. if because uh, it sounds like, you know, based on the movies we watched and kind of which ones were formative for us and like our favorites is that we're probably about the same age. And I know for me, like the big thing was like the scholastic book fairs and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I didn't know if maybe that was something similar or if you had kind of gotten into like, maybe your mom had some books and that's how you discovered them. Well, uh, no, my mom, even though she watches the old horror movie, she's not big on horror at all. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) She, uh, yeah, she, she does, she didn't have any like horror lying around, but, um, the way that I got into horror books was that I was already into horror movies and I loved reading, but the problem was that a lot of the books just would not, uh, hold my attention unless they had magic in it. Mm-hmm. And then at one point I saw a Goosebumps book and I, I read the Goosebumps book and I loved it, but because I was already used to Freddy and Jason, I was like, "Uh, I kind of want death in here. (laughs) Why why isn't anyone dying? (laughs) Like, like, no one's dying in this. This is kind of, this is lame. So then I discovered Fear Street books, which are like Goosebumps books only for teenagers. And in those books, people died. Like they they were they would die, they would get disfigured, things like that. It was it was more mature. And so I read every Fear Street book I could find. Um, and I love the mythology of Fear Street, how it's like this this basically cursed town, um, and like all these horrible things happen there. And then I read Christopher Pike, um, a lot of Christopher Pike books as a as a I would say probably preteens to teenagers, like all through high school I was definitely reading these and like um younger. But yeah, I read those two. I read Lois Duncan. I read um there's another author, uh Carolyn B. Cooney. Like I read as much from them as I could. And they were like the the young adult horror people <laughs> you know, so you, you could always tell their their books because like the, the the covers were really like I don't know if I want to say pulpy, but like almost like children pulpy because like they had that style where it's like a girl being like ah like on the front <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like and the art was just always so like eye grabbing to me so uh, yeah that's what I read that's what got me into to reading horror and then of course from there. By the time I hit college, that's when I started reading Stephen King and stuff like that. And but yeah, those were the what I what I first started reading. That's yeah, that's awesome. And um, you know, I, I that's how I kind of got my start too is through uh, Goosebumps and stuff. Sadly, for whatever reason, like I was obsessed with Goosebumps. Like I had every every original one, but mm. for some reason I had never read Fear Street. So I'm kind of bummed that I missed out on that. Um, but it's funny, like you mentioned, you know, that how kind of tame that Goosebumps were and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. There was another series out at that time. It was for the same kind of age range. Mm-hmm. And it was called like uh, Shivers, I guess, by M.G. Spencer. 
Yes, I read those too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those ones were a little bit more extreme. Like mm-hmm. I, one of those still sticks with me. I think it's called Spider Kingdom, where like the kids, like they would always like squash spiders until one day, you know, they got shrunk down the spider size and. Yeah, some oh. of those were some of those were pretty intense, and I thought that, that was a cool idea. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I need to look that one up. I I read, I only remember reading like maybe two of the Shivers books. I think one was like about, I don't know that it was that the kid was necessarily a werewolf, but he turned into some kind of like werewolf like monster or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of it though, but but yeah, yeah, I do remember Shivers books too. Oh gosh, yeah. brings back good memories. <laughs> yeah, same here. And you know, I I didn't even really think of it until you had kind of mentioned like the pulpy covers. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have like I only have one tattoo, but now that I think about it, like if I could have like Tim Jacobus like design <laughs> like a goosebump style cover i would definitely get a tattoo of that his cover oh, yeah. is awesome so amazing yeah yeah <laughs> but um too another thing you know that kind of leads me into uh, your debut novella cirque berserk which was published through um unnerving's rewind or die series which mm-hmm. was a re- which is a awesome i loved the concept behind that whole series and um, I was just kind of curious, you know, kind of how you heard about Rewind or Die. And uh, and I'm, I apologize in advance. Sometimes I like to mash like five questions into one. <laughs> but <laughs> kind of how you heard about Rewind or Die. And like if Cirque Berserk was already an idea that you were kind of working with and then you discovered it. Or if you kind of saw that and were like... You know, this sounds like a really cool idea. Let me try and develop something for it. And then that's kind of how it was developed. So um, I already had the idea, but it wasn't fully formed. And I actually didn't even I didn't have that much of a push to write it at the time, because what happened was that I just gotten out of my uh, MFA program and after your MFA, you're, I don't know about anyone else, actually, I should just speak for myself, but I was like bound and determined. I was like, I'm going to redo my thesis and I'm going to get it published and I'm going to be amazing and da, 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 da. So like, I was just, uh, I was trying to focus on that, but it just, I don't know, I, maybe I'd focused on it too much for three years. So I, it just wasn't doing anything. And, um, I got the idea for Cirque Berserk after I watched, um, the strangers pray at night and like that movie I think has one of the best third acts of any I've ever seen and so that night I went to bed and I got this image in my head of like someone doing something really horrible on on skates set to rhythm of the night (laughs) and I was like oh my god that's such a cool image and I kept thinking well why are they doing that and what are like what are they where are they this is such a weird place and so I started thinking about it and like kind of planning it in my head but I was like I'll write this later like I I need to do the thesis thing first and then not not maybe not even two months later um I saw the call for submissions uh for rewind or die just on twitter like because that's one of the things that I think I did well um after 
graduate school was that when I, you know, actually started to, to develop my like social media or whatever, like actually like not just use it for social stuff, but I was like, I'm a horror writer. And like in, in grad school, everyone was focusing on literary stuff. So I know where these literary submissions are, but I'm not writing literary, I'm writing horror. So let me follow every single like publication I can think of or like, or follow them and then they'll lead me to other ones and then, you know, follow other horror writers and see what, where they're, you know, talking about and hear the good things and stuff like that. So I was following Unnerving and then they, they posted it, um, the, the call for submissions. And I saw it and I was like, oh my God, like I read and I was like, wait, I have a perfect idea for this. This is, this has, this has like 80s and 90s written all over it. Um, and then I, I, I said, okay, let me write the first 6,000 words. And if I can get that far with it, then I'll query him. And if he wants it, then I'll keep going. If he doesn't, then I'll go back to my thesis. <laughs> and so I did. I wrote the first 6,000. I knew where it was going. I had it plotted out in my head. And then I queried him and he said, yeah, let me, I want to, I want to read this, you know, um, no guarantees, but I want to read it. I want to at least see the, the draft and stuff. So I was like, okay. And so I wrote it in like three months and, you know, uh, polished it as much as I could and then sent it to him. And yeah, he took it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool how those how those things work out. Like you said, you just happen to see it on Twitter. And, you know, that's one of the cool things about, you know, the horror Twitter community mm-hmm. is that, like, it seems like for the most part, you know, everybody, whether it be readers, bloggers, or other writers, you know, they're all willing to, like, share people's things or, you know, kind of be, like, highlight opportunities. Like, hey, there's this really cool open call, you know, you guys might be interested in this, and everyone kind of shares everything back and forth. But um, it's that that's cool to hear, you know, how you came up with the idea for Cirque Berserk. And, you know, it's funny because I, it's, I've seen that... Uh, that strangers movie uh strangers Mm -hmm. pray at night um and i think i know probably at least one of the scenes that like probably you know that at least i thought like inspired cirque berserk like i never say exactly what i never say exactly what song Mm -hmm. but there's like that extended like kind of like kill scene or fight scene yeah the pool scene <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. i i had the same reaction that you did where like it's i thought that was like the coolest thing in the world like because you know, a lot of times you're used to a certain type of music whether it be instrumental music that's kind of like all screechy or like propulsive mm-hmm. or you know what have you and to kind of see like this crazy brutal scene play out with that particular song in the background, like mm-hmm. if just describing it, you think like, hey, this really shouldn't work. But then mm-hmm. like when you see it play out, it's like I was like, this is the coolest thing. Like I was telling Shane and like all my friends, like you guys have to watch this movie and then keep an eye out for this scene. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene, one of my favorite, like I said, that third act is just, it's immaculate to me. It's just it's yeah. so perfect because like, it seems as though like by that act, they're just like, 
we're doing what we want to do. <laughs> like we're yeah. just going balls to the wall. I'm gonna like throw everything because like you have that scene, which by the way, another reason I love that scene is because it reminds me of Urban Legend because that's the opening of Urban Legend where like that song is playing when the guy's in the back seat and she's singing Turn Around. And like I was like, Oh my god, Urban Legend like and then <laughs> Um, then like not too long after, uh, there's another song that plays when the, the truck's on fire yeah, and it's like going after the girl. And I was like, Oh, this is Carrie. I love this. <laughs> I, was like, I was just, I loved all the nods to all the other horror movies. I like counted at least three or four nods to other horror movies in that one. And, and I just loved all of it. I love stuff like that. Cause like, there's room for there's room for the scary screeches and the like ominous like dark music and there's yeah. room for that too because that's a different type of horror like to have something fun and upbeat playing while you're being murdered that's terrifying like that's horrible <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so I think there's room for both yeah yeah I totally agree with you too because like I love that stuff but like you said sometimes it's nice to kind of get that little that little bit of you know something different Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's it was cool too like one of the things that i liked about cirque berserk and this is probably where like a couple of different times i'll you know gush about how much i loved it but i i kind i like that you know there's tons of like brutal brutal things in here but there's a lot more than that in there like you know there's there's some real like emotional stuff, whether it be relationships or some of the characters' backstory. But there's also just like this sense of fun, you know, with the setting of Cirque Berserk, like a carnival, and you know, like some of the song choices that you use in your story. Like that's just one of those things that like you know there are there's a there are some of them out there, but like a lot of a lot of horror, at least that I seem to watch or read it's like a lot of it's kind of like serious. So it's Mm -hmm. cool to like see something that, you know, is serious and has some very serious things in it, you know, even aside from just the bloodshed, but it's cool to kind of have something that mixes like a sense of fun into it. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely what I wanted. I wanted fun for so many different reasons. And Part of it's what you said. Like, I feel as though right now, you know, people keep talking about this whole thing about elevated horror now, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm just like, I hate that term. I feel like a lot of us do in, this, in the community. But like, because it feels like something that, that people who actually don't like horror say when they find a horror like movie or book or story that they actually do like and they just want to make an excuse as to why they like it well this is elevated horror you know like yeah. like you know guy in your mfa says that with his fedora on or something like that, you know <laughs> um where it's like i i just i love i love the majority of it and part of why i love it is because it can be fun like like there there are moments for seriousness and there's moments for fun and there's moments for like heartfelt times and there's you know there's there's moments for cheese you know i feel like there's it's not like we have to cut it off and just make it be this one thing because that's the beauty of it it can be so many different things and and um 
I don't know. I don't really care for too much of the boring stuff. I like I like some of the serious, you know, the serious horror that's out there. I do, but I don't know. Don't you rather have fun with with it? You know, <laughs> to me, yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And um, that, like I said, that was one of the things that was just so cool about this was that sense of fun. And you know, like you said, a lot of like I like serious stuff too, but there and there's a time and place for that sort of thing, or if you're just in that kind of mood. But like I feel like sometimes like that stuff, like you said, people say like elevated horror, that that kind of gets like you know the prestige and notoriety over some other stuff. Like there's so many funny like funny horror comedies out there. Like um, mm-hmm. one of one of them like that has tons of crazy stuff in it like tons of blood blood just like buckets of blood but it's also like hilarious and i don't know if you've seen it is um that new zealand movie called deathgasm about like the metal band that like, summons demons <laughs> no but i've heard about it oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need to watch that one <laughs> yeah i i think you'll i think you'll have a good time with that one it's one of those ones where it's kind of like the per- like cuz horror comedies if like one element kind of like overrides the other, it seems like they can kind of fall apart. This one I think is like a pretty good blend of both of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's good. I'm going to check that one out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you'll uh, enjoy it. And um, one thing I wanted to ask you about Cirque the Zerk too, is kind of the decision to set it like in an amusement park I thought that that was cool, and I know that, you know, there are some that use that, but it's not, like, a common, like, setting. But, like, mm-hmm. the way the way that you did it, I felt it came, it felt, like, very real. And I didn't know if, if Cirque Berserk, that carnival, if that was based off of, you know, any sort of place that you visited as a kid, or if it was just kind of like an amalgamation of, you know, maybe the feeling from like when you would go to carnivals and things. Yeah. So, okay. So I live in Florida and I've lived in Florida most of my life. I've moved, like I've, I've gone away a few times, but you know, keep ending up back here. But, um, you know, part of it is that we have so many amusement parks. We have Disney, we have Universal Studios, Islands of Adventure, so many. And like, you know, if your school is going to drag you to one of them at some point in your life, you know, if your parents don't. So I've been to them. I've been to them all. And I actually, I really do love them. Like I love, my favorite is Islands of Adventure. And it's, Islands of Adventure is probably my happiest place on earth. (laughs) Like, even with the heat, even with the sweatiness, even with the overpricedness, I love that place. And, but even though I love it, I do, I'm not dumb. I know that, like, these machines, it's one wrong move and we're all dead, you know? (laughs) And I think about that sometimes, like, when I'm about to get on it, like, like, I'm literally trusting that you guys have, like, have everything up to date and, like, you know, the, the conductor back there isn't like drunk or something, you know, (laughs) I'm putting a lot lot of faith in you, you know? And, um, so even though I love those places, there's a small bit of fear, you know, that goes along with them. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. And I, I guess I wanted to create kind of that, that fear about, about carnivals and stuff, especially because, 
and this is actually, this is something I actually put in the book, but uh, another memory that I have from childhood is that um, my cousins took me and my little cousin to, I don't know what this was. It was either a fair or a carnival. It wasn't like a, a regular amusement park. It was something that traveled. Okay. So we, they took us to it and it was like late at night, like too late for us to be out. Like we were small kids, um, but they took us out. Maybe they just wanted to be out or something. And they had like a tent with people. I, I don't even know. I don't even know if you're supposed to be able to still do freak shows or whatever, but it was something <laughs> like that. But like they had a tent and in the tent, there was this snake woman and she like everything else looked to me you know even as a kid I was like that's fake but then I saw this snake woman and I like went up I literally put my face on the glass looking at her and like it was a it was a woman and I was like oh my like I tried to keep looking for where the scenes were in her costume and I couldn't see it and I was just like oh my god she's real (laughs) it's a real snake lady so I, that I remember just being terrified, like, but also very intrigued because I was like, "How did she get like that? Like, can that happen to me? Like, what?" Like, so, and then I remember my cousins dragging me out of there because I just kept looking at her, and they're like, "Okay, you, you, yeah." So I, uh, that was something that really stuck with me. I don't remember anything else from that night except that, like, but. But yeah, like stuff like that, I think I wanted to like put into this book um, and and yeah, just turn this place that could be fun into something uh, scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think you definitely did a great job with that. And like, I don't I don't know what it says about me, but I <laughs> I still even with everything that happened there, I'm like, well, it seems like, you know, aside from the people that are in there, it seems like Surf's <laughs> a cool place. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> good rest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because, like you said, I because I used to love going to the carnival every summer. I don't I don't recall ever seeing anything like like that as far as like the freak show tents. Like I know that they used to be very common, um, but yeah, I haven't seen one. So I can imagine why that would stick with you, especially like you said, the snake lady. Like especially if it seemed that real, and maybe it was real. I'm not sure. I've never been to one, so. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how those work. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I know. Okay, so I know the other people were were fake. Um, but her, that that's why, like, for her, that she stuck out to me. I think now, now that I'm an adult, and I think back about it, because I think about it a lot. <laughs> but now that I think back <laughs> on it, it was probably makeup. It was probably I was looking for like a scene to like a dress or a costume. Yeah. What I, but you know what you can do with makeup is insane. So maybe it was that, or maybe she was a snake lady. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, we can't really doubt anything. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like now that you mention it, that that sounds pretty plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, um, another thing that is cool about Cirque Berserk is kind of how you. And this is the part I want to be careful with because we definitely don't do spoilers on the show. 
mm-hmm. but is that you you utilize a lot of cool like traditional slasher elements, um, and that but then you also have some really inventive twists in there that you know I didn't expect, especially you know just kind of going off of the synopsis and being like, okay, this is a slasher. Like when some of these twists kind of unfolded. I definitely did not see it coming, and I thought it was a cool way to kind of, you know, how you, it was a cool way for you to take, like, some of those traditional slasher elements, but also make it something different and unique in your own. When I was just kind of curious if that's kind of what you wanted to set out to do, like, if you had, like, okay, here's a couple traditional things that I want to put on, put in here kind of like as a, like an Easter egg for horror fans. Or if it, you know, it's just kind of like incidental. So for me, for some of them, it was, um, it was, it came out of my own frustrations because as much as I love horror, as much as I love slashers, you know, there's just not, especially for the eighties and nineties, there's not a lot of diversity, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot of me as a black woman and a horror fan being able to see myself. In fact, it's actually very hurtful a lot of the times when like you see the trope of like the black person dying first or whatever, and like in a really dumb way. And uh, it was just me kind of looking at some of these, the ones that I like and then the ones that I don't like and like playing around with them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And my reaction to them as as a horror fan and as someone in 2020 kind of like saying why do we still do this this way like why why is this still happening in some of these horror movies like where there's just not like we see one type of of monster one type of girl one type of of anything um so i just i guess i was writing what i always wanted to see you know i I would have loved to, like, my whole goal for, for Cirque Berserk was I wanted to write something that 16-year-old Jessica would have loved to read, you know? Because it was the same thing even with, with uh, Fear Street. I love those books, but they were all white women. They were all yeah. white women heroines. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But, like, can we get someone else? Can we get a black person? Can we get a Native American person? Could we get, like, a, a you know, a LGBT person? Something, like, someone else, someone different? Um, so I just kind of was, like, this is what I want to see. This is what would have made me, this would have made my heart sore if I, if I read this. And, um, that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's really cool. And that's one of the things that I kind of picked up on. And again, I don't, I want people to discover them on their own, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the coolest, that's one of the cool things. And one of the reasons why I liked Rochelle so much um, is, you know, she, she kind of touches on some of the things that you had mentioned, like, you know, the problems that, you know, would show up in some of those older slasher movies or horror movies. And I thought that that was really cool. And Rochelle, you know, again, she's kind of like a complex character. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I I really liked her. Um, and, you know, it was kind of cool to kind of see her backstory and, like you said, the kind of to kind of flip that trope and, like, you know, she was the main character. 
<laughs> in in this story. And I thought that was cool because like you said, some a lot of those tropes are like things that were constants in those movies. You know, yeah, they were very, you know, ex- they were very they excluded a lot of people and they were problematic and it seemed like they would just constantly rely on them. So it was like constantly driving those things home, you know, like uh, my family members, they're native American and, you know, grew up on the reservation and things like that. So, you know, seeing a lot of eighties horror movies where it was like, you know, Oh, this is like an Indian burial ground or oh, it's like some kind of Indian curse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, not only is are those things hurtful, but it's like, come on already. Like that's tired. Come up with something else. It's so, it's so tired. I don't know what I was watching recently and they did that and I cut it right off. I was like, okay. I was like, yeah. this is what we're, we're still relying on. Are you serious? Like, I was just like, no, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it just, and that's another reason why I think people who aren't, who aren't really into horror, that's why a lot of them are into horror it's because they they see one slasher and they think they've seen them all they see one you know story where you know oh it's an indian burial ground and they think they've seen every like haunted you know whatever uh or cursed whatever and it's like we're i don't i don't believe that we're not creative enough to come up with something different I think maybe we're relying on maybe the same tired voices and we need to get fresh, you know, maybe different voices in here. Um, Mm -hmm. Or the people who are still doing this then come up with something better. But, you know, I don't think we should keep doing like regurgitating the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad that you had brought that up because that's kind of one of the cool things you know, and there's a lot of venues that are doing this now. Um, you know, they're, you know, opening up, you know, their submission calls and realizing that maybe they haven't handled them in the right way in the past. And, you know, they're trying to be more conscious of, you know, allowing new voices to come through. But that's one of the cool things about um, Eddie's Rewind or Die series is that when he originally opened it, you know, that was kind of his goal is he wanted to highlight new voices and diverse voices. And, you know, not only that, but it was also cool because a lot of the writers, like there are a couple writers that, you know, I was familiar with from, you know, just being in the indie horror community. But, you know, there was a lot of people who this might have been their first published, like, long fiction work or, Mm -hmm. you know, they were just or it was just like a newer author that, you know, for one reason or another, you know, their work wasn't as visible. So not only was it cool that he was bringing these kind of voices forward, but like by creating this kind of series, it kind of helped bring like visibility to it. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree because like it it made me I I started following every single uh writer that has published with Ryan or Die and it's a great group of people from what I've seen so far. Like um 
you know, Haley and V are like some of my like I've read as much as I can from them <laughs> since yeah. you know since learning about them, and this is how I learned about them. And um, I think going back to what you said about the the submissions and the query or the sorry the call for submissions, um, I think that Eddie really did an amazing thing when he the way that he crafted that that call for submissions I think was very important um because I that's another thing that actually made me want to submit because you see some of these call for submissions sometimes and you know they say something like all like you know all people are welcome to or like everyone is welcome to submit or whatever but then, yeah. like, you go to the website and it's just white author, white author, white author. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like a, yeah. like, okay, you know, what are, am I going to waste my time by doing this? But, like, he, I, I've, I remember the original one. He really drove home. He was like, no, 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 I want at least, like, 30. Well, he, he put, like, a specific percentage. He was like, I want yeah. at least, like, 30 to 50% of, of these to be from women, you know, or people of color or something like that. He said something like that in there. And I was like, okay, I think he means business. Like he, I think he actually means this. And so that felt like more of an invitation. Like I actually am interested in this. So I don't know. Um, I feel like, and like you said, there has been some changes recently. I think, you know, with everything that's going on with the, the protests and things like that. And everyone wants to like show their, their solidarity in some kind of way. So like a lot of submissions are specifically saying that um, they want, you know, people of color or, you know, uh, you know, just just diverse voices in, in all ways to submit. And I think that's good. I think that's good. But I just hope that it, it keeps going, you know, that it doesn't like stop. I don't know, after election or after whatever, after whatever this thing is that is going to like passes. Um, I just hope that that, that uh, it sticks around. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there that, um, you know, and I and there are, you know, you can't speak for everyone, but, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Eddie, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of other publishers where, you know, you can kind of tell that they're making conscious steps to do that. But like you yeah. said, I on the whole, that it stays that way. And because, mm-hmm. you know, it's important because if you're not getting stories from those kind of voices, you know, it's not allowing them to tell their story. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you can learn from reading, you know, from people who don't have the same background as you. And, you know, not only that, you know, there's a lot of cool things out there that you might otherwise not get to experience, you know, like that's why, Um, Like Stephen Graham Jones, just as one example, you know, with his most recent book, Mm -hmm. um, he kind of incorporates, you know, Native American kind of mythology and things in there. And that created, you know, a unique horror story or um, Mm -hmm. V's um, Rewind or Die book. Like, I thought that was such a cool, such a cool story because... You know, it was completely unique, but it was kind yeah. of like a familiar. It was kind of familiar in that it had some similarities to other types of stories, but mm-hmm. it was completely unique. And you know, you know, had had say, you know, 
she didn't have that opportunity, you wouldn't have that cool story out there. Exactly. Like I had never heard of that kind of mythology before, before I read mm-hmm. these. And like, it, it, like you said, it, it was similar in some ways, but it was so refreshing to see it told in this way, this kind of story with this kind of mythology and this kind of like protagonist. I just, I, I think it's, it's just, like I said, I think there's room for, for all of it. I think there's room for all of it and people just need to realize that there's room for all of it, you know? Um, And like, like you're saying with Stephen Graham Jones's book, I, I finished it like last week and blown away, like actually two weeks ago blown away and you know i'm actually reading night of the mannequins right now and once again like i read almost all his stuff uh when it comes out um but you know it's amazing how he can go from from uh the only good indians to you know attack of the 50 foot indian to night of the mannequins which are like three completely different you know stories like in terms of like um like uh what do you call it atmosphere theme like you know yeah. uh, premise all that kind of stuff because night of the mannequins feels more like the fun kind of stuff we were just talking about you know in a mm-hmm. way at least at least where i am in the story i don't know how it's gonna go <laughs> it's still gonna be fun by the end but you know right now it is whereas like there was i mean i don't know if i'd call the only good indians fun uh, <laughs> yeah. there, was, there was, I mean, there were some jokes here and there, but boy, that 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 was a stressful book. <laughs> yeah, that was stressful. <laughs> like, I loved it. I loved it, but but I, you know, but anyway, like I was saying, like the, his voice is so unique, and like the, the the way that he can go from from one to the other, I think it proves that like people can have range. And we can do this. We can, you know, we can put out amazing products, um, I think. Yeah. If we're given a chance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, kind of to touch on that book, The Only Good Indians, like you're saying, how it was broken up in the parts. Like, there's mm-hmm. a there's a certain part, like, when you get to the end of it, you're like, okay, yeah, this is kind of creepy. And then, you know, like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is getting real creepy. And then when that one particular part ends, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't <laughs> believe he went there with that. I was like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's a few parts in there that got me like that. Like, there was one part I had to reread the I reread it like like three times just to see what I, that I that I read what I thought I read. Um, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh! <laughs> um, but that kind of stuff just inspires me. I'm like, man, like every time I read something from him or from you know V or any of these people, Paul Tremblay, any of these people that like I really admire, I'm just like it. It makes me want to to write something. I'm, I'm like, oh, I want to scare. I want to scare people like how they're scaring me right now. I want, I want to make someone else feel this. So yeah, it's just really, it's really amazing. I love the community that I'm in, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. That that's, you know, like you said, and um, you know, the community aspect of it and like everyone being so supportive and uh, that kind of leads me into sort of an interesting segue, but 
because I'm always on horror Twitter, and I'm pretty sure I saw this. I hope I'm not. I wasn't just like imagining this or anything, but <laughs> I think I, I think you um you got a pretty cool shout out from Paul Tremblay for Cirque Berserk. And yeah. I was just wondering, you know, what was that kind of like? Because like I I it's almost kind of like when you know, when authors like, you know, Stephen King will blurb their book or something like that. And it, like you said, he's one of the writers you admire. So what was it like to kind of see that? That was that was so surreal. I was just like, oh, my God, are you serious? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you read it? Oh, my God. Like, I was like, how did you? But no, like, um, I, I was just, it was amazing. It was amazing because, like, I don't know when I first when I when I first got the news when when Eddie was like yes I'm when he read the draft and he was like yes I I want to publish this I was I had this wave of like excitement but I remember the closer I got to the actual publication date I was like getting more and more worried because I was like man I don't know if people will get it I don't know if people will like I get it Eddie seems to get it like you know my friends that have read it get it but will people will people will people get it will they will they understand what i'm trying to do here um will they see the fun will they just dismiss it as something that's just you know whatever you know and don't see the seriousness of it too um i i, I had a lot of worry and to see that you know paul tremblay shouted me out that it just it felt amazing that he actually read it and liked it um same thing with Stephen Graham Jones. He he shouted out too, like I think back yeah. in back in April or something like that. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, I honestly i i i watched I watched uh, the Strangers Pray at Night because he suggested it. <laughs> like, so I'm like, this is full circle. <laughs> like, it was amazing. So it's just like I. I I don't know. It's 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 this feeling of like, oh my god, like they understand. They get it. Like I felt like welcomed, I guess, when when those two tweets went out. Um, yeah, I just felt welcomed. Yeah, that that's really cool, and especially kind of like you said about the Stephen Graham Jones thing that it's all it was almost kind of like a full circle moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah. So that you know that's pretty cool, and you know especially because like I can't speak for myself because I haven't had anything published as of yet, but, um, you know, I'm pretty Cirque Berserk is like your first long form book, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, I can imagine, you know, like kind of what was that process like, you know, kind of writing it. And then once it was finally finished, because I'm always kind of interested you know, we talk like craft and process and stuff, and you can touch on process if you want. But um, like, I always just like kind of hearing like that journey, especially from somebody who just released like their first longer work, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of hearing their story and experiences on, you know, how they accomplished it. And, you know, just kind of some of the things that, you know, helped you get to that point of having the finished manuscript. Yeah, so some of it, I I will say the timing is just, it matters so much because if I were to have read that, that, that call for submissions, uh, maybe uh, 
five years ago. And even if I had the idea, I would not have been able to write, write it because I, as much as people, you know, um, say you don't need an MFA, which you don't, I don't regret going to, to my program and getting my MFA because I learned how to write a novel. I learned how to write a long fiction story um, by going there because we had a class called Novel Workshop where we every week we had to turn in 3,000 words, right, for 15 weeks. And you had to come in, by the way, like once you sign up for the, the class, you, you basically agree that you're going to show up to the first day of class with 50 pages already written. And then from then on, you will write 3000 words per week. And so in my head from then on, it was like, oh, a novel is just basic math. I have to write for, for a, a novel is between 50,000 words to what, 80,000 maybe on the on the long end. If you get into any longer than that, you're like in one of those epic ranges, which is usually just for fantasy or something. Um, or, you know, if you just want to write a really long book. But OK, 50,000 to 80,000 words and then just divide that by however many weeks you have, you know. So then it was just like, OK, this is math. OK. And if I can just turn out, OK, that's 10 pages a week. OK, I can do this in this many weeks. So that was like me, my, my mind kind of processing it. But when it came to like crafting it now and like going through it, yeah, I, I, I learned a lot for that too. Like, so the thing that a lot of people like about Cirque Berserk is like the, the chapter or not the chapter, the um, part, right. Titles that are the song yeah. titles. Right. And one of my professors <laughs> She always talked about your form reinforcing your content, right? <laughs> like that was her thing. She was just like form reinforcing content, form reinforcing. And like I was thinking about that and I was thinking about like how I could incorporate the songs because I knew that the songs would help me build atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But another thing that the song titles did was they basically created the theme of that part of the book. So like the first part of the book I want to dance with somebody. That song is just like, I want to love somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's multiple characters in that part that are longing for someone. And they basically are like, I want to, I want to, I want to dance with somebody. I want to love somebody. Um, And then it goes on and on from there, like each, each one. And that was in my mind, me making form that would reinforce the content of that, of that part. And I, I don't know if this is making any sense. It made sense in my mind, but but that's also what helped me. So once I like figured out, okay, I'm going to have these, these five parts of these themes in there. And these are the characters that like kind of do this. And then I also, I also structured it by death, by death sequence. (laughs) (laughs) This death scene will happen here and it'll use this. And this death scene will happen here and it'll use this. So like I use those things to like form it. Like, and I drew it out. I drew out some of the deaths on paper and like, it's, good that like people can't like come into my house and see like <laughs> my notes <laughs> because they're really like serial killer notes but it's like, yeah, no, I was like yeah this person will die this way here and then like there's like a you know weird uh, arrow to where the chapter is and like all that stuff and so like I plotted it out and I plotted it out as much as I could and obviously some things come to you as you're writing so you have to leave room for that and be able to be flexible 
But I think once I had the characters down and once I had the song titles down and what I wanted to convey in those in those parts and the deaths, those that <laughs> those those helped me out. They um they were it was easy to write after I had those those pieces. Yeah, that that's kind of awesome. And, you know, the song title thing, like when you were kind of describing it and you asked if it made sense, like it, it, it does make perfect sense. Um, you know, I haven't seen it done too much, but like in your book, it works really well and it does inform the content. And like I've seen that in a book by uh, John F.D. Taft. He kind of did something similar where he would come up with like these like little phrases that without giving away what happens would kind of like influence the chapter. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of a cool way. Like, you know, I haven't really heard too many people who have kind of used that kind of device to help frame the story. But also, I don't know why it brings me so much joy, but the fact that you said you kind of constructed it around the death sequences. Like, oh, yeah. That's kind of, like, yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of like something like, it's really cool. Like, it's something that you wouldn't expect. But I guess almost in a way, and, like, I'm no expert, but, like, they always say that, you know, writers that I've spoken with, you know, they'll say, like, sometimes it helps to kind of write those scenes that, you know, excite you. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense because, you know, those those particular scenes and which, you know, I have to give you a shout out for that, too. You know, like with slashers, a lot of the big things is kind of like those kill sequences. And yeah. Cirque Berserk has some really great ones in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was so intentional because, like, once I realized this was a slasher, like very early on, I was so happy because I was like, I I could really have fun with it, and that's another that's another thing about the 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 uh, carnival aspect too. I was actually kind mm-hmm. of like thinking I should have used the carnival more. I was like, there maybe <laughs> could have been more things I could have done with more like contraptions or like something or like on a roller coaster or something. I don't know, but like, um, but I did as much as I could <laughs> with the time I was given. But like. Yeah, like one of my favorite things about Slashers is the 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 creative yeah, kills, you know? Like I actually just saw a clip like someone posts like um there's a Twitter that's like uh best slasher death sequences or something like that and they posted this sequence in Freddy versus Jason where like Freddy no not Freddy Jason like closes the guy up in the in the bed he like yeah. smushes it together yeah. <laughs> I was like oh my god I forgot all about that like, like but I was just like these are some of the things that like make slashers what they are and make them kind of even though it's horrible but fun you know and I was like I, I'm gonna play with this as much as I can, and also they they gave me like a goal to write to, you know. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, all I have to do is just write this much, and then I can get to this one, you know. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah that that's that's a pretty cool way to look at it, and you know, especially like when you mentioned like kind of the this is kind of going completely off topic, but maybe not really. Is you know, I'm sure you've watched a ton of slasher films. Mm-hmm. You know, what are what are some of your, you know, kind of going off of those kill scenes, what are some of your favorites? You can just give a couple or you can just pick one, whatever, whatever you uh, feel comfortable doing. 
So part of why I loved Urban Legend is because of the kill scenes in that movie. I think that's like my second favorite thing about that movie is there's the one where like my favorite one is where they take the the killer takes the Drano um, and like I forgot what Urban Legend it was. Oh no, yeah, the Urban Legend is like drinking bleach or Drano or something like that, and then he shows the 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 funnel thing down the guy's throat and then like pours the Drano and yeah. then the oh and Pop Rocks that's what made it funny it was the Pop Rocks <laughs> <laughs> because that, that was the urban legend is if you drink Pop Rocks yeah so they poured Drano Pop Rocks and soda down it and then that's how he died <laughs> um, so it's that so there's that one and there's also another one in there the um Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light one where the girl's just there and like she like has on her headphone because her, her her roommate's always having loud sex. And so she she walks in and she thinks the roommate's just at it again. So she puts on her headphones and knows the roommate's being murdered. And then she wakes up and then written on the thing is, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? And uh, <laughs> that's another good one. Um, obviously, another favorite of mine is from Nightmare on Elm Street when Johnny Depp, what's his name in there? Glenn. His name is Glenn in there. When he gets pulled into the bed and then all the the blood just like gushes from the bed from yeah. from the bed onto the ceiling. Oh my god, when I first saw that. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, how would they do that?" <laughs> like like is that when being oh, just being pulled into your bed and then of course, another reason why I love that movie the sequence of Nancy's asleep in the in the uh, bathtub. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, she doesn't die there, but good God, that freaked me out. Because I used to love just like, you know, closing your eyes, you know, just a little, little cat nap in the bath. No, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't taken one since. <laughs> I did not close my eyes in the shower at all. <laughs> like, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, so those are some of my favorites. I probably have a bunch more, but those are the ones that come to mind. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, it's funny, I haven't seen Urban Legend in, oh man, it's gotta be at least, and this is going back to seeing things younger than I should have, like, I, like, I don't even, it was late 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, that's 99. That's probably the last time that I saw it, so I, I need to go rewatch that, but as soon as you mentioned the thing about the trade, no, like, it it must have been memorable because as soon as you said like the Drano, it just kind of popped right into my right into my mind. So I need to rewatch that one soon. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. There's like it's it's really good. There are some things I wish I could just reach in there and change. Just like just a little just a little one or two things, I think. But for the most part, I just love I love that movie. I love it so much. <laughs> like yeah. um it's one of my favorites, but I love so many of them from the 90s. They're just, all of them have a place for me. Yeah, and real quick, like, I don't know if you, have you seen Jason X? Uh, which one is that? Was the one where could, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Is that the one where, like, uh, I don't know that I've seen that one. I don't know uh, if I've seen that one. 
then I won't spoil it. But I think I know what you're saying though, because I know I know what happens. It's um, like liquid yeah. nitrogen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some there's some other cool ones in there, and especially if you like callbacks. I'm not gonna tell you that Jason X is a great movie, but yeah. it's an enjoyable one, especially yeah. uh, if you are into kind of like the callbacks and nods and stuff like that. Yeah, I need to watch more of uh, the Friday the 13th because I think I stopped at four. I don't know that I saw past four, and I don't know how there. Oh, there's at least ten. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't know that I saw past four. Hmm. Yeah, and it, it's kind of interesting. Um, and this is kind of like two totally separate questions, but like that a lot of horror fans especially with horror films like a lot of times you'll have like a team freddy or a team jason <laughs> mm-hmm. and then um the other thing i wanted to ask you is you know how do you feel about horror sequels especially when it comes to the slasher genre and have you seen urban legends the sequel to urban legend and also would you consider kind of keeping that tradition alive with the world you created with Cirque Zerk? okay so okay first question was freddy or jason right yeah freddy or jason which i i think you're probably team freddy <laughs> yeah well it's, it's more complicated than that though because like I I love Freddy, but I love his movies more. Like, part of the reason why I stopped at four with Jason was that, like, there was always just, there were things missing. For me, it took a while for them to, like, warm up. Like, the first one was okay. I, I was good enough. Um, I liked the twist at the end. But then the second one, I don't know, a lot of people liked the second one. I didn't. Um... I kind of felt like the third one was getting better. But anyway, I like what I like about Jason is more the mythology of Jason. I think that mythology wise, Jason has a very unique one in that he is kind of justified in doing what he's doing. Like Freddie was a child murderer. You know, Michael, I don't know what his deal is. He just hates his family. I don't know. But Jason was a child that needed supervision, that needed help, and through neglect, he was, he was, he, he, well, he, you know, he died, quote unquote. And the mother, through her grief, you know, went on, you know, that spree or whatever. And then the messed up part is that Jason, then the time that he's, quote unquote, reunited with his mom, is in time to see her get murdered. So it's like, I see why you're angry. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. you know, I, I understand. Like, so it's like, he is kind of justified. And I like the, I like, I don't know if this is something that they've gone with, with all the movies, but the whole thing about like, he won't die because his mother won't let him. Like his mother told him not to like that kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's so fascinating, but for me, Freddie is just more entertaining and I just like the movies better. Um, but yeah, and then the next question you had was about how I feel about sequels. Yeah, and if you've seen uh, the sequel to Urban Legend, because I don't think I have, and I was curious if it was any good. So I actually haven't because I was so afraid that it would be bad, but I promised myself that I would. Like, I, And I said I was going to do it. Like, I actually was supposed to do it this weekend, but I forgot. 
So thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because uh, Mackenzie Kiera, she hadn't seen Urban Legend before I mentioned it. And uh, she watched it and she really liked it. And so she told me, did you see the, the sequel? And I was like, no. And she's like, you know, it's not that bad. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. But um, I for for sequels, I don't mind sequels. I hope that they're good. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think you, you can usually tell the difference between a cash grab and like, uh, I actually care about this. So there's a sequel. And I think that so many of them are done for cash grab purposes, like the, the, the production company or whoever. They're like, oh, we can make more money. So let's just keep making them, you know, whereas like there wasn't really a story to go on or like they couldn't create a good one. I'm like, if you if you want a cash grab, OK, fine. But but actually make a good story. Don't like just. Yeah ruin this thing that was good like saw i like saw i liked i liked the first three saws yeah after three it gets so bad it like basically ruins that franchise because the way people talk about saw now is just like it's kind of like a joke a little bit like it's kind of like you know um oh it's torture porn it's this it's that and it's like the first one wasn't. The first one was yeah. barely had any, you know, blood in it, really. Um, but because, like, I hate when it keeps going until, like, you've kind of ruined the good stuff about about the original. That's what I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny because, like you said, you know, Saul's kind of held up as, like, that torture porn, like, standard Mm-hmm. But like you said, that first one it was a lot more psychological, and oh, the yeah. and the kind of tortury aspect that came there was so like it was so so not a focus that like when it came like that infamous scene that they basically spoil with the cover art, mm-hmm. it, it's like that much like you're like oh and the reveal, yeah yeah. Like it's um that first one is such a I remember that was another time where I I watched that really late at night and I was just like I was blown away because I was I was not expecting any of it I didn't expect to like it when I first saw it I thought it was just gonna be a throwaway but I I really did it was it was something special and then like like I said the the rest of them just well I would say after three the the rest were just so disappointing so so disappointing <laughs> yeah I, I i forget which one i stopped on but yeah i i kind of i kind of gave up on it too mm-hmm. yeah. and then um yeah so i was curious too like would you ever consider revisiting the world of Cirque the Zerk? um only if i could come up with a good a good story and a good ending because like mm-hmm. you know Maybe, maybe um, I would have to come up with, I don't know, I feel like I'd have to study some more sequels and see, like, where where some of them go wrong and where some of them go right, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, see, but um, only, like I said, only if I had a good story, only if I had some, some place to to take the story that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense, and you know that's kind of interesting too like you said that you can kind of basically kind of like reverse engineer 
sequels that like whether they be films or book sequels you know mm-hmm. to kind of see like where those problematic areas might be and um another thing i wanted to ask you kind of going off film but i guess it applies to books as well is you know i was on your website and i read your bio and it said that you kind that you like horror that maybe has a touch of romance into it and mm-hmm. i was curious you know, what are what are some of your favorites? Because, you know, I'm kind of into that stuff, too. Like, I and I don't really I'm sure there's plenty of them out there. But, like, I really kind of liked what they did with that movie Spring. And then mm-hmm. there's another there's another great one on Prime called After Midnight. So I was just oh. curious, you know, what kind and it's almost like um, one of the guys who made Spring is an actor in that movie. So if you like those kind of films, that might be one that you're interested in, but I was just curious, you know, what, um, like, what are some of your favorites, like books or movies? Huh. So now that you, now that you mentioned it, like, I'm trying to think and like, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was Interview with a Vampire, but <laughs> like, I don't know. If, I, don't, I mean, there's clearly a, a thing going on between Louis and Lestat, but I don't know. Um, but let's see. Uh, I know that there's there's some that I really like. I can't. Mm, I know Good Manners also had like a um a romance kind of thing going in, on in there, and that's a movie. It's a werewolf movie from somewhere in South America. I want to say like Brazil, maybe. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's called Good good manners um uh, i know gosh i know that there's more i just can't think of i just want there this is the thing i want there to be something more with with like i just want there to be like i don't know if there's like a touch of romance or a touch of something it doesn't even have to be like a, a traditional uh you know, romantic love. It could be like a mother and child or something like that. But I always kind of want a little bit more with it. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones. I know that they're out there. There yeah. was one. Um, there was a Stephen King, or not Stephen King, um, R.L. Stein book called uh, Dangerous Girls, and I think it was about like these two sisters that become vampires um and that was another thing i think there was also like stuff about like you know sibling sibling rivalry and stuff like that but yeah and i think that was one of his like adult novels right yeah yeah no wait was it i don't remember i think it was for teenagers i think it was like in that vein of maybe teenagers maybe maybe Oh yeah, I was oh. thinking of Red Rain. I think. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, another one. Oh, here's one. Um, uh, it's a short story by Stephen Graham Jones called uh, "Love Is a Cavity I Can't Stop Touching." Yeah, and it's <laughs> there's a little sprinkle of love in there, but also some very some very strange things going on. <laughs> like, but, uh, that's all 
all say, but yeah, but that that one too. That's a that's that's some horror sprinkled with love in there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think I've read that one, so I'm gonna have to definitely check that out. And then, um, you know, I've kept you for a while now, so uh, <laughs> before I get to the final final wrap up question. Um, I just wanted to ask you, what are what are some things uh, you've been reading lately, authors that you might want to, you know, sh- other authors you might want to share with the listeners, um, even if you're not currently reading their book, but also like maybe a book or two that you're currently reading. Right. So I am reading right now. I'm reading um, Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. Um, next on the docket after that is All You Need Is Love and a Strong Electric Current by Mackenzie Kiera, uh, which is also, it's book number 14 in the Rewind or Die series, and I'm really excited for that, because the cover's awesome, and yeah. the little bit that I did read is awesome, so I'm, I'm super excited for that one. Um, I also have a Mexican Gothic on the docket. I already have the book, but it's just, I'm waiting because like my to be read list is just, it's just growing. It's not getting any shorter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And and I actually, I'm going to be rereading The Midnight Club by Christopher Pike uh, pretty soon as well. Um, I think, yeah, those are the ones that I've been been uh looking at awesome yeah i'm real. i have mexican gothic too and i'm i'm so excited to read that one um and also to touch on the other rewind or die book by mckenzie um we're actually we're gonna have her on the show i think in another month um yeah i'm excited for that one too um i forget what the event was for but like I heard her read a section of that. Um, it was like on a like a digital kind of con thing. It was fairly mm-hmm. recent. Might have been for This Is Horror, but yeah, mm-hmm. she read a selection from that book, and I was blown away. Like just the whole concept of it and the way she wrote it. Like it's mm-hmm. it was it just grabs you. I was like, I need to read this book. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am so interested in this. Like, I, I also heard her read a little bit, and uh, I read the first page of it just because I was curious. And yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, oh this is gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. And um, yeah, just uh, to wrap up before I let you go, is there is there any projects you're working on now that you can share with the listeners that, you know, you're working on or excited about? Um, man, I haven't been doing the go ahead, but something is coming out soon. Um, but I don't, I don't think I've been okay to say anything, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, soon though, very soon. Um, and I'm actually writing now. I actually had some writer's block for, for a while, but I've been writing lately and, um, it's going pretty well. So I'm, uh, I'm hoping it stays. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. And, uh, congratulations on the project that is coming out. And hopefully, like you said, uh, the beating the writer's block, hopefully, you know, things keep going smoothly there, but, um, yes, yeah. but yeah, cause Again, I know I, I'm speaking for everybody because we've all read it, but yeah, Cirque Berserk was 
it was such a blast to read and you know we're definitely excited for anything else you have coming in the future and uh you know it was great hanging out with you tonight and anytime you want to come back on the show you know we'd be happy to have you oh yeah thank you this was super fun i i can talk all night about horror slashers (laughs) books movies whatever (laughs) so this is this is super fun yeah that's awesome i'm so glad you had a great time and yeah We'll definitely have to have you back on the show because um, I'm sure Laurel and Shane would both like to talk with you too. But, you know, it was a lot of fun, and I thank you for coming on the show. And is there any other things you want to share with the listeners, maybe where they can find you on social media or anything like that? Yeah, so I have um, a website called Black Girls Guide to Horror, which I need to update, <laughs> and I need to post a little bit more and hopefully I'll do that soon um but yeah you can read my posts about you know I write about movies I write about intersectionality in movies um I write about books sometimes tv shows um you can also find me on twitter at uh just I guess 90 or you can also follow the black girls guide to horror twitter which is at black girls that spell g-r-l-s so no i horror so black girls horror um yeah and that's where you can basically find me awesome and thank you again jessica it was a lot of fun um i definitely have some movies i want to check out and podcasts and books so thanks for the recommendations and yeah again it was it was great hanging out with you and hopefully we can have you on again soon oh thank you thank you so much Yep. Have a good night, Jessica. You too. Bye. Bye. Is somebody going to hang the fucking thing?